The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. I'm thankful for 14 goal games uh, and just uh, an absolute explosion of offense this postseason. 14 goal game, 14 goals, four combined goalies. One really confusing review that taught like Jesse, you and I, I'm not sure if, if this is on, if this, if this particular quirk is on your level, but like, like you and I, we get paid to, to know about hockey. That's our job. Like that is like, we, we are, we get paid to talk about hockey, know about hockey, you know, spread the good word of hockey, all that. I learned something new about that sport last night with that offside review. I grew up uh, in, when I was in high school, I time kept games for spare money uh, at Robert Morris university. Don't, I don't, I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, and I, it's like, you know, it gets into a larger conversation about tagging up. Right. And like people on Twitter today were like, I hate this. And my retort was, but do you love tagging up? Cause you're probably going to say yes. And if your answer to that question is yes, what do you do about this situation? You accept it. I think as a bizarre, uh, freakish thing that we'll probably not see again for another 10, 15 years and live with the fact that tag up offsides is otherwise a great thing. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like I I can see it from both sides. Like obviously, um, with with the ABS being like, well, the funny thing is, like five years ago, this exact call went against the ABS in a game. Um, I remember because Sportsnet uh, Sportsnet producer Drew um, he likes to point out everything you know everything that could possibly have gone against the ABS. He likes to have a retort on that. So. <laughs> He's, he's great. I love him. But it's he's as as the abs get farther and farther in the playoffs, he gets saltier and saltier on, on Twitter. And <laughs> I feel like I think Jesse just spilled a bottle of Coke <laughs> somewhere <laughs> or just had his <laughs> microphone ripped no. out of his computer. Yeah. So um, I really I got an alert on, on my Mac that I was at a critical critical mass on my battery and I was about to die. And as I went to go grab my charger, uh, the mic went for a ride so i i was worried that you spilled the coke that you were drinking all nope. over like your carpet or something nope, that pro. but uh as i was saying like and so this, this exact same thing happened so i can see how as fans are like what's the rules and on the other side i can see how oilers fans would be outraged like like where you look at this and go like that looks like offside to me and like this is the one time we're gonna call it like that like it's I don't know. It, it, it just, well, I, it's the word possession, right? Or like, yes. or, or like that, that, that is the, uh, the critical piece to it. It's nine I times the been, law is I would have been furious if I was an Oilers fan. Um, well, if I was an Oilers fan, I'd probably, you know, go out from the, from the cave I'm living in um, <laughs> or, or hop down off that oil rig that I've been making my money on. And, uh, and then I'd go to the local watering hole and get all flabbergasted about it how they talk up there that's how they talk it's the texas of canada so it's (laughs) that's how they talk about it out there uh no it's uh, here's the thing so you you mentioned possession right so it's in the thing that 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 annoys me is that the word possession is now used to be the most like subjective word possible and i don't like leaving i don't like leaving anything up 
to the interpretation of NHL referees because NHL, out really well with headshots. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because I wouldn't trust an NHL referee to judge like a pie eating contest, let alone uh, like it, and a game with millions of dollars at stake, both betting and salary and sponsorships and all like just all that. Like I, 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 I don't want to, I look at Tim Peel's Twitter account and I'm like, I don't want someone along those lines to be handling the outcome of a game or, or being put in a position to make a call like this. Can you say that you're retired if you were forced out of your position, like, is there a different terminology that, that should appear in his bio? Like, rather than saying I'm a retired NHL official, it's like formerly disgraced, asked to leave NHL official. I guess that probably didn't work out as well. Uh, there's no, there's a character limit is what it is. That's why yeah. you got to go with the shortest option. And I well, think retired is probably it. It's weird. He, he, he uses a very weird way of spelling disgraced. You know, <laughs> he spells it R-E-T-I-R-E-D. Um, I'm trying to think the last time he peed his pants on Twitter today, he peed no, his well, pants yeah, no, no, today. No, it really irked me though. Oh, um, it was, uh, the Kadri stuff. Yeah. That's what it was. And it was uh, last week. <laughs> and it, it, uh, that was the reason. He, what was the reason he was traded from Toronto? Uh, because he always makes it about himself. He you know, when he, about was, himself. Yep. when he was talking about how the coach didn't condemn the racist death threats that were launched towards him, <laughs> yeah. you know, always because making that's, it about, always, always making it about himself. Yes. Come on. Which, by the way, thank you, by the way, for sharing the screenshots. Uh, that got a lot of attention on Twitter. Uh, and it was necessary for people to oh, see thanks. that stuff. Um, I saw a lot of people, Mike, take your tweet and show it to Tim Peel. I'm not sure. Oh, really? Because I'm blocked. I don't know. Oh, no. A lot of people were like, look at this, you idiot. And I don't think it's sunken. I don't think he got it. Um, no. Poor Tim. There's a lot of things he didn't get on the ice. So it no, matches his true. career. With Tim Peel. Well, <laughs> the thing is, all his bad takes are going to even up at the end. So that's that's what counts. But yeah, um, no, but it's funny. Like, so Tim Peel, like replied to one of my tweets or something like he hopped to my mentions and then proceeded to start having like five different arguments with with people like in my mentions. And I kept my phone would just kept going crazy. So I just was like, hey, can you guys like take this somewhere else, please? And he was like, sure. And then blocked me. And I'm like, oh, so he's a giant baby. Um, you have notifications turned on on Twitter. No, no, no. Like it I was, was just, say, you're a maniac. You're oh, absolutely. Why would I, are you kidding me? You like, do I look like a serial killer to you? Like that's, I, just say, I, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, because I have to use it for my job, right? Like, because yeah, yeah, you know, same. if like yeah, a news I mean, hit comes down or something, I got to go on Twitter and look at what's going on. Or I have to, I have to have tweet notifications on for all the insiders. Just so like when breaking news happens, I know, all right, I got to write about that or whatever. And so anytime I go on there, I just see Tim Peel replying to like 15 different people with 20 different numbers in there, <laughs> you know, in, in their ads. And I'm just like, man, like, if you are really retired, if like when I retire, like if I ever get to retire because I'm I'm a millennial and and it, that just doesn't seem like a possibility financially for us anymore. But if sure. I ever do, like no one is ever going to hear or see from me again. I am going to I'm going to like buy a little cabin on my own, live there in solitude, enjoy myself, throw my like have a ritualistic burning of my phone. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> see, I feel like when I'm retired is when I'm really gonna hit my prime on Twitter. Cause I'll be able to see whatever Ooh. I want with no repercussion. Like that's true. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. That's, uh, that's when I'll start to get into the business of like shaming people, like, and like saving their tweets, you know, for, for use later on and stuff. Yeah. I, I'm looking for receipts. We're going to be living a different life, Mike. I'll still be up in that cabin, but I'll be on my phone. <laughs> you know, that's actually, that sounds like a lot of fun. Actually. I just, 
my, my favorite is anytime I see a bad, like I see a bad take, just replying the, uh, I, I don't really like add my two cents. I just reply the, uh, the American psycho clip, like, like the meme where it's just like impressive. Very nice. Yeah. Now let's see the quote tweets <laughs> every single one. time. <laughs> it's really good. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. We, before we get, we'll, we'll get into the abs and, and Oilers a bit more that that crazy game that just happened a little bit later, but first, you know, there are two, uh, uh, we need to hold a moment of silence for two teams that have been uh, that have lost their seasons um, since we last spoke, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Calgary Flames. Which one do you want to tackle first? Let's go with Calgary, because I think there's right. a lot. I think there's a lot for there people is. in Calgary to be really pleased about um, and looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you had presented uh, how good this team was to people in Calgary in October, let's say the first of October. I think yep. everybody been like, this is good. This is great. We're great. This is great. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's buckle up. Let's go at it. Uh, the question is, I, I sense zero panic in Calgary. Yeah. I sense zero panic. I get the, you have the feeling that that franchise is in a very good place and poised to make good decisions in the coming months. It's interesting that there, there isn't panic considering that like their two best players need contracts. This, this off season. Yeah. So that's a different kind of panic. I think it ter- panic for me is like what Carolina is going through. Whereas like, do we need to have a serious fundamental question over what our core is, the tenets we believe in and what we've been doing? Is it working? Like, can we trust it? That at Calgary is not at that stage of like discontent right now. Like it's still, there's, there's a bloom going on there. So I think that's, that's you're sure you're not wrong. I mean, the, they're yeah. under the gun, the cap situations, you know, you have to take some things into consideration, but I think overall that the, the setting is, is much different. Now I think there, there, there's a, there, there's a big difference in that. Cause I think these are two teams that are relatively similar in their trajectories. Um, you know, their cores are uh, like Aho and then Svechnikov are, they're still pretty young, but they're getting, they're, they're starting to, they're starting to, you know, blossom into their full on primes and, uh, you know, like Goudreau and, and Tuchuk are kind of along that same vein. The difference is that the Flames didn't sign racists. Um, and I think that, you know, what, like you said, you know, do we need to have a conversation, but like our fundamental cores and values and whatnot? I think you do because uh, you saw it like because you you made you went out and made a point of like, you know, we're going to it's it's win at all costs. We're going to sign the guy. Uh, and we'll get into this more when we do the actual Canes postmortem. Like we're going to sign this and do whatever. And I think it might be a, a similar thing to what happens um, with, with the Oilers if they get eliminated now, where it's you know with the Evander Kane stuff. But there is like, it, like I just I always compare the discourse in, in certain markets to what it would be like in Toronto. Like Johnny Goudreau is is he's not as good, obviously, um, but he is in terms of like importance to the team. Like he's like their Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, and you know, like the conversations surrounding the team after getting defeated like that in five games to, you know, their, their most hated rival. Um, and then both, and let's say like both Matthews and Marner are up, are up in free agency that summer. It would be pandemonium here. You know, it, the takes would be flowing a plenty. And yet, like you said, it seems, there seems to be a bloom. It seems to be a calmness that, that interests me. Like, I wonder why that is. I don't know. I look at that D core though. And I think looking at that, the top, the, the four that they'll have left on that, that are signed through mm-hmm. next year, Mike. Yeah. The max they're looking at is like what I think four and a half million 
on salary on that D. It's uh, Hannafin's four point nine five. But that's there you it. go, close to yeah. five. They have the the room. They have the room, uh, I think, to potentially to swing there um, and try to even improve that D even more, uh, which I think is a dangerous prospect to think about because they they're they're all guys right now that can move move their feet and move the puck and mm-hmm. skate pretty well. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think to me, it's just a different, maybe a different, I don't want to say a different form of chronic underperformance from Calgary. Cause it's a different, again, I don't have Connor McDavid, right? So you can't, I don't think they're comparable situations. You know, you mentioned Edmonton a minute ago. Um, I don't know. I think it's just the, the hope springing eternal. And the, the lack of the lack of chronic playoff disappointment, perhaps, um, you know, having a team that yeah. you know, I think tested, um, you know, one of the better teams in the league and, and took them to the brink. That'll that'll change things for you. Do you think that there's a sort of like a um, a recognition that Markstrom was a big reason why they didn't win that series? Yeah, because he was extremely bad. Like. Yeah. Like if you get like we always say this, if you get like nine fifteen goaltending in this series from Jacob Markstrom, like that's going at least six, maybe seven games, you know. Sure. And it's I think when you can when you can ident like when you can clearly identify the um, there's no mystery around yeah. like what happened to your team. You know, like it, like the thing, you know the 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 only thing to fear is fear itself. You know, right? And like a fear of the unknown. And I think when you realize like, okay, you can, you can easily like, it's okay. A, gr- a better example is like, you know, you feel, you feel really lethargic, right? One day it's like really impacting your, 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 your day-to-day life. And you go, oh man, like what's going on? Like, do I have cancer? Do I have this, what the other? No. Like when, if you know what's happening, if you have a headache and you know that, oh, you know, I'm very dehydrated today or, oh no, I broke my arm or whatever. Like uh, at least you know what's ailing you and you can go and then fix it. And I think, you know, Markstrom in the regular season, he was a, he's a Vesna candidate. And I think, how did you know that I like go and Google my symptoms in like oh, a I true hypochondriac fashion thinking that I'm going to die? I did like a very specific thing. call out. Like you've been looking at my search history. My my computer told me I, I had melanoma last week, um, which is one great, time so. I plugged my symptoms into Google and it said I was pregnant, which obviously wasn't the case. So are you sure? Are you happy? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's a beautiful thing, Jesse. Uh, it was my wife that had the baby. Oh, see, that's what it probably was. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, it's contagious. Pregnancy is I just had like right? a, a heartburn. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. That's what it was. That makes sense. Um, no, it's, you, you're right. I think it's, I think it's a lot easier to, to sort of like, it's, it's a lot less stressful to be like, oh, okay. So this is what's ailing me. I'll go from there. Um, so, but where do like, so Goudreau and Tuchuk. They need they need deals to truck to Chuck is at least still an RFA. Um, so there is some wiggle room on that. Like you still own his rights. You can kind of grind him down if you need to bridge him again. I'm sure the two could come together and figure something out. You wouldn't want it to reach that point, but whatever. But Goudreau is a he's an easy UFA. He's going to Andrew Manji panties. That's also a restricted free agent. Yep, Gotta like do that. That's on him. That's true. That's huge. And Kelly yeah, Carl, Cal Yarncroke, who they just – they didn't give up a ton from him. They only gave up a, a second-round pick. And he also did only score, like, one goal in 30 games for, for the team, even though he's not there to score. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. But I'm really curious to see what a Johnny Goudreau contract looks like. He's 28 years old. He just had a potentially – uh, potentially like Hart Trophy-esque season. Like, he had 115 points. He's part of the best line in hockey. 
Like, what do these two get? Because Calgary has, they have $26.9 million cash space heading into this offseason, but they have a lot of guys coming off the books. What do you give these two guys? Yeah, you, well, so uh, I think they'll be, I think right now without taking into consideration any moves, I think they're about 12 of 23 on their roster size, I think. So, uh, look, Goudreau's been good for a really long time, Mike. Yeah. You mentioned like this year specifically, like heart trophy caliber season. Yes, that's true. But there's a, like a, a very, very long track record of success here. And I think even if, and you assume that he probably wants to stay in Calgary, right? You assume mm-hmm. he wants to have like the home cooking there. I think even with the home cooking, <laughs> you have to consider um, that the payday here is going to be pretty cons- pretty significant. So the space is there, sure but you have to fill the rest of that roster out. That's the challenge. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not about just, you know, the, the, they're going to make it work with Gaudreau. I have no doubt about that. And I think that he'll stay there, but um, what the rest of the team looks like, um, I hope you've got some like, you know, entry level friendliness uh, in the American hockey league that you're willing to promote, because I have a feeling you might need some of that, uh, some of that cooking um, as we approach training camp. I mean, yeah, I'm look, I'm not completely, you know, ad, like attuned to the, the flames prospect system and they are moving their, their HL affiliate to Calgary next year um, from Stockton, which will be a, like a lot easier to, to sort of like mend that sort of pipeline. I think it's, it's a lot easier. I've seen what it's like, you know, with, uh, uh, with the Marlies and the Leafs and just how seamless those two, those two entities are together. So that'll be great. But like, I'm looking at their non-roster uh, players like who are the who are the prospects that ever like Matthias Emilio Pedersen, Jacob Peltier, Connor Zari, Rory Karens. Like uh, these are all like 20, 21 year old guys. I'm not sure, you know, what what they'll be at Martin Pospisil, like guys who I'm not sure what they'll be like. Um, and keep in mind too, like this is also a team, like they they have to kind of fill out the rest of the roster. Yes. And also like this roster we now know is like their ceiling was like a sec the second round. Like they don't just have to, you know, try to find a way to bring everyone back. They need to try to find a way to improve the roster. And that's always the the most difficult part is trying to figure out, you know, okay, we just got bounced. Like we can try to run it back and and go through all those loopholes, but how do we add, how do we improve? Especially Especially if some of those players, Mike, are going to be making more money next year. Like potentially doubles. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like Goudreau will probably be making like close to double what he made last year. Tuchuk was making seven million. He's probably going to be making like I would say close to like nine, nine point five if if you sign him long term. You know, it, it it's going to be cool. At the same time, they have great bones like for the team. Like they have Blake Coleman signed for for a while. Elias Lindholm is signed for a while. Tyler Toffoli is signed for the next two years. Dylan Dubé signed for the next two years. Michael Backlund signed for the next two years. You know, that decor, that decor, the, the oldest guy is 32 and it's Chris Tanev. Who's, you know, who's arguably your best, like sort of defensively focused. Still still really good. He's still really good. And they showed how much they missed him when he was injured. And and they had one of those 4.5, you know, 4.5 mil uh, cap hits that um, I think you get, I think you're getting more out of that than you're paying. And a guy like Yusuf Alamaki at 1.5, you know, he's 23 years old. Like it's, I didn't, I totally forgot he was that young. Um, there's a lot to, there's a lot to be really excited about in Calgary. Like it's, it, it just, this is a very crucial off season because this could dictate whether or not they become like, they can take a sort of like another quantum leap like they did this season, or if they kind of stick around this middle of the pack, 
you know, maybe win around. That's about it. Sort of CLA. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. It's, it's going to be interesting. Who would you go after if you're them? Oh my gosh. Like, let's say, let's say to Chuck and Goudreau get back. Like, let's say Goudreau is making 10.5 to Chuck's making nine. You know, that's a good chunk that leaves you with like seven and a half million in cap space. Yeah. I mean, they got to fill the rest of that D out. Right. Um, mm. I know the penguins are going to be um, dangling a guy like a Marcus Pedersen around. I've been trying to fill the rest of my D out my whole life, Jesse. How's that going? Not great. Not great. Continue. Um, anyway, that's it. I was just going to say, I mean, he's another one of his defensemen that, you know, doesn't make uh, a ton of money, but you know, the penguins are looking to move on uh, for their own reasons. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a move I'm probably I'm probably looking at as a, a hockey move for them because they're out. I mean, like you're not you're not going out and getting like Nino Niederreiter and Max Domi. You know what I mean? Like you're out on yeah. that, that the price tags on that. Like I don't even know if you're in on like an Andrew Cop. You know what I mean? If if he goes out to free agency, so you're digging out in the you know bottom of the barrel. Um, you know I think money wise, if you have to pay out uh, Kachuk and Gaudreau. So what does that look like, Valerie Nachushkin? Um, you know, players of that ilk. Uh, he's still that's probably he's making a lot good. of money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still, I mean, you know, it's still you could still fill the team out with that, but I, I think you got to temper your expectations as far as free agency. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the let's go to the Canes because I think they there's a lot more uncertainty surrounding them. Um, this is again another example of them like sort of having being really hyped, having a great regular season, looking really really solid, and then not getting it done. And they this was this. This looked like an implosion, like especially game seven. Like that was a nightmare game. Really bad performance. It was a really bad performance. And it was also like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. You know, like Seth, like Seth Jarvis, you know, he, he, he got injured. Yes. But then like anti Ranta, you're extremely, you're, you're other extremely injury prone goaltender, uh, veteran goaltender who was filling in for the first, you know, injury prone veteran goaltender. Um, you know, he went down ex- precisely when you needed him the most. Then you're throwing a 22 year old rookie into, into net uh, to get that going. Like it just, everything seemed to tumble down uh, uh, when they, when they needed it to, to work the most, you lose at home, especially when you hadn't lost a single home game, all playoffs up to that point. And then if you had just managed to win a single road game, you know, you could close these guys out, especially after dominating in the, in the possession, where, like, where do the, where do the hurricanes go from here? I don't know. I, you know, so a couple of things, number one, I think the people with Carolina are blessed to have Sarah Sivian around to help oh my God, yeah. them through this moment because she's been like checking people. They're <laughs> already like, just chill out. Let's calm down here. Uh, I, I don't know if this means anything to you or if I'm just talking nonsense, but like the, what bothered me the most, and this is not like a, a conversation about Rod Brindamore's job, because I don't think that should even th- be in the, in the realm of conversation. Shouldn't you're not going to do better. Um, you know, he's, I think made it clear to, to Sarah Sivian on the athletic and multiple times that if it's Carolina or boss, right? Like he's not coaching somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So if you, you, you know, he's, if he's gone, he's gone. That's it. I don't know that you're going to waltz out into the sea and find a better option than him this year. Um, you will I not. Know, I don't know that you've got a, an in-house replacement. Um, you're certainly not going to find the one as cheap as he is. Um, what bugged me though, to get back to what bugged me, Mike, is like, mm-hmm. you have that game seven, 
you take a bunch of penalty. The penalty problem aside, the mm-hmm. Rangers have a lead. They have an unbelievable goaltender. Yep. And they do what all teams should do in that situation, which is sell out to play defense. If you have that good of a goalie and you have a lead and you're in a game seven, you shouldn't even try to score. And that's mm-hmm. what the Rangers did. They packed it up. I would do the same thing, by the way. If I was Gerard Gallant, I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'd have put five guys at my defensive blue line. Come get it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, come have fun. Like, let's do this. And I, I, it, it requires, and I say this to somebody who's watched this happen to Crosby and Malkin countless number of times it takes a certain level of approach stylistically work ethically etc to get past that system Mm -hmm. right that converge on a good goalie and make life really difficult keep you on the perimeter style of hockey um the canes did it about as poorly as i think you could ever see somebody do it yeah that's disturbing like that is the biggest question for me is like, if what, what if, what if fast forward the next year, you return a similar team? I'm sure we're going to get into the roster stuff. You get back into the playoffs, you go against another team that's got a hot goalie and can converge like that. What's your solution? Like, what do you, do? I just, that's such a big kryptonite to a team that can play an open, freewheeling offensive style like the Canes can. Attack, attack, get north stretch pass get up ice puck support that that's a kryptonite to it and i think it's a you know they got to figure that part out to me that 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 is a big loss um and i'm not saying it's like a trend right i'm not saying it's they can't overcome those moments mike but they to lose to lose in that fashion and not even really show i think a lot of fight in terms of your breakout and the way that you attack like that that's a that's there's losing in overtime five, four, you know what I mean? And laying it all out there. Mm-hmm. And then there's what we saw and what we saw is like, it leaves you with a lot more questions than answers. A hundred percent. I think Seth Jarvis is going to be a great player. Like, I, you know, like he's like, they found something really good in him and it just tears me up to my core that the pick that was used to pick him was the one the Leafs had to give away to get rid of, uh, Patrick Marlowe's contract. So, it, oh God, Patrick. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this elephant in the room though, dude. Cause like, okay. I feel like I could have this conversation with you. I don't know that I could have it on Twitter because I got a lot of like Rangers followers. I picked up over the course of the last okay, year. Interesting. Think, like this Truba thing, man. Okay. It's a good, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I feel passionately about like every circumstance he's been in has been, you know, like what quote unquote dirty or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, there are a couple Mike that have like that chicken wing thing, man. It's yeah. like, I, I, I just don't know how many times we can go to the well on height being the explainer for this. Cause there are a lot Zidane Chara, really tall players in the National Hockey League, do not have this problem. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Zanochara took his fair share of, um, I would say, infractions. Sure, uh, but this many in one playoff. I Yes, I don't think that he's an inherently dirty player, but I do think there's merit and it's worth 
talking about just how many times he's found him. Like, for example, like, you know, there, if you, if you know someone and you're like, this, this is not an evil person. Like, this is not a bad person. It's a well-meaning person, whatever, in, in the most sense, but he keeps being found at the scene of crimes, you know, it, it like, like, then we have to start a conversation of like, okay, well, you know, he might not be intentionally doing this or he might, you know, this might not be fully in his character or who he is, but like, there's also a re- like, there has to be a reason why he's always in the middle or always on, on the, the sort of not the distributing end of these, of these yeah. dirty plays. These conversations are different. If we had a la international hockey, a zero tolerance policy on head contact. Don't even get me started. Well, like we didn't have to have a, a discussion about like intent. Did he mean to do it? The question is, was the contact made? And if the answer to the question is yes, this drives me nuts, Mike, too, because we, I, I think we've talked about this before, and I don't want to th- totally derail the Canes discussion here. No, but like, uh, we can take it in whatever direction you want. But like you had Ray Ferraro talking about this on Twitter today, right? Mm-hmm. Because th- this conversation comes up of let's rewrite the rule book. But it's too hard, Jesse. It's too hard. That would require us to do some work. And we don't like doing work over at the NHL offices. We'd rather entertain the discussion of what if intent every single year and bring ourselves under a shitload of unnecessary scrutiny than actually have a bunch of people sit down at a table and rearrange some words. You know, I'm a big I'm a big NBA fan. Big MLB fan, yeah. big NFL fan. You know, like I love, I love the NHL. Obviously, it's my job. It's my number one. It's my baby. It's the love of my life. But um, it's my Florence Pugh, if you will. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, like all of those other sports, after a just a blistering, amazing game. You know, like I would say, last night's game between the Avalanche and the and the uh, the, the Oilers, and this is somewhat related. Like, but it. it like it all leads back to this is a lot like that game. I believe it was in 2018 or 2017 between the Rams and the chiefs where it ended like 54 to 51. And it was a crazy game and it like revolutionized like offensive play calling and whatnot. And you know what we didn't wake up the next day talking about, we didn't wake, we woke up the next day talking about how great that game was and how, how amazing it was to watch like two crazy good offensive coaches and teams go at the full force of their might. We didn't wake up the next day was a referendum on all of the rules and minutia and bull crap that is like just sort of embedded into this game. That's what we do. Every time there's a fun NHL game, there is something that happens in the game where we, we have to wake up the next day and have this ticky tack little debate about this, that, the other, and it takes away. And we wonder why we can't market stars. And we wonder why, because all of the attention, like Elliot Friedman had to write is, is the biggest in, in, you know, insider in the game. And he had to write an article about an offside review this morning. And it all leads back to what you're talking about with like the, with, with the intent and, and all that. It's, it's, it seems like, you know, there are these fun, awesome games. You have to wake up next morning and go like, okay, but like, you know, his, if you look in this, in this frame of the Zapruder film, his, you know, his, his elbow is moving at a, at a 28 degree uh, inflection, which would initiate it or which would insinuate intent. So therefore like, shut up. Like, just, can you not like, can you get off? Like can Colin Campbell, whoever's in charge of this, like just do some work some work a little bit of a singular work if you will and a work a work 
and just sit down and rewrite these rules so there is no so there's no cause for misinterpretation so we go someone gets hit in the head that's a head penalty this is the penalty for it someone's offside you know because this happens this is what okay cool this is offside this is where the faceoff is this is, this is the call if it's a goal all right here we go this happens all the time and it, and whether it's offside reviews whether it's it's these these headshots or, or whatever like they're all these ticky tack little minutia bull crap arguments just dri- drives me up the wall jesse drives me up the wall do you think that it's possible to give officiating the con smythe trophy every year because really yeah. i think at the end of the day we do end up talking about it more than we end up discussing the on ice product officiating <sighs> is my con smythe winner this year I think the officiating should be the Mark Messier leadership award year because it also makes as little sense as possible that they should be associated with that award. It's crazy to me. You know, I, I think back to like when we came out of the two line pass era of hockey uh, post initial lockout and the game did tangibly change. It opened up, you know, we with more space in the neutral zone, the, the hulking, um, what was the name? Somebody, as I was discussing this on Twitter today, um, Matt Vichuk was the name somebody threw at me as an example of a defenseman who got phased out uh, <laughs> because they, they were no longer fast enough to keep up. But, you know, there, we had an adjustment period, right? And granted, like some of it, fi- it only lasted for a period of time. And, you know, the officiating sort of thing ultimately fell into some old bad habits. But we went through a period of change where the game opened up was called differently. You couldn't reach your arm out and grab someone anymore and mm-hmm. impede their progress. Like these are all things we, I physically live through Mike. Right. I can't, so I why can't we ever played hockey where two line passes were illegal. Oh like, my God. And for those of you that are listening to this show and don't know that you couldn't make a pass that went across the blue line and the red line. That was illegal. <laughs> that was an illegal play face off back in your zone what a so, stupid sport yeah Sorry, take, the new jersey devils won several stanley cups courtesy of that rule so the point i'm making and yes i am shooting on the 90s devils there oh, yeah. uh, the point i'm making is we've gone through these sweeping periods of change before and the people that are in charge of the nhl right now mike were in charge of the nhl well, we went through those sweeping rules the goddamn first time so the fact that you have this reluctance and internal excuse of saying well we have to go through a big adjustment period in order to do something like that no shit. we've done it before were you not there did you forget the role that you played in it why are you so reluctant to experience that change again that's the part that truly blows my mind is they've been there, they've done it. And now like they've, they've, they've said enough is enough. We can't open the game up anymore. The excuse is, well, you know, if we got rid of things like interference on loose puck pursuits, more people would get hit harder and we'd have more injuries. Well, guess what? You could call those penalties. Those are penalties too. And we could call those. And now you've killed two birds just by calling penalties. It's just, it's, any any excuse, Mike, other than to do the thing that's right and just improve the quality of the product. And also, like, I think that what always like what a lot of people sort of point to is um, I think it was 2017, 2017, 18, where they really, really hammered down in the in the first start of this in the start of the season on slashing. Remember that? Like where yep. there Parker were like, thought like Sidney Crosby 
you know, uh, precipitated crackdown, I believe. Yeah, it was just like every it was crazy. Like like pen, like power plays went up like two hundred percent. You know, like at the start of the the season, and and everyone was kind of like, well, what's this? Like, what's going on? I don't like change, all that. And the thing about that is, a I think a lot of the hesitation was that we didn't have the like we didn't have the trust or the yeah the trust in the NHL and the NHL officials to continue this standard of officiating like on a consistent basis. It just seems like a flash in the pan where like your friend, your, your boyfriend says he's going to change and he does for like a month and then he just falls back into bad habits. Um, and then, on the, and then as well, uh, uh, like change is scary to a lot of people and there's going to be like, and there are going to be people who are like worried about, you know, uh, like who, who are, who are going to be like, Oh, but you know, if we do this, like, it's not the game that I, that I grew up watching and that's scary to me, but you'll get used to it. Like you, like you just said, like there was a point of, of time in hockey where you couldn't make two line passes. Like think about Connor McDavid playing in a world like that, or think about, you know, like uh, Nathan McKinnon or, or freaking Kale McCarr with his stretch passes or stuff. Like it's, it's crazy to think about. Um, just McKinnon and McDavid probably would have been all right with how yeah, well they, they, they rush a lot. It's everybody else would like, have been screwed. <laughs> everybody yeah. else would have been screwed. I mean, Mary Ellen, you barely made it through that alive. That's true. Um, Let's let's finish up the Canes post. Yeah, so because I want to talk about this. So um, there's a we talked about uh, overhaul. Like so, Seth uh, Seth Jarvis, they're good there. But you, uh, Martin Martin Neckish, Max Domi, Nito Niederreiter, Derek Stepan, Vincent Trocheck. I think most people agree is probably probably gone. Um, Ethan Bear, uh, Tony D'Angelo, Ian Cole, and Brennan Smith uh, all up. Um, um, you know potentially. Uh, needing a new new deals. Um, a that's a lot, lot of turnover. players, dude. That's a lot of players. Projected cap space, $19 million. It also reminds me, yeah, that's not a lot. It, it reminds me of, uh, uh, like, the reason why I brought up Seth Jarvis, like, before before we went off on that, is, like, I think he's going to be a great player, but, like, when you, when you put them up against the Rangers' big guns, you, you realize that, while they're a very deep team, like I, the, the, the Canes don't really have a superstar, you know, like the Canes don't have someone like a Chris Crowder who, you know, is going to apparently this season is going to, you know, like just be able to put the puck in the net when you need him to, or a Tammy Panarin, who's going to score, like he's challenged for a hundred points a year and be one of the best playmakers in the league. Like they don't, or as a Benajad, like Aho and Svechnikov are very good. Um, but I don't think they're in that sort of like superstar or like at least like sort of borderline elite tier that I think, you know, the Rangers seem to have like they like, yeah, Slavin's great. Pesci's great. Cool. But they're not Adam Fox, you know, like they're it's it's I think the I think the Hurricanes, they, they're the very deep team. But I also do think that they're missing some of that top end, like elite talent that a, that a lot of the teams that of in modern hockey use to win. I've started to th- and not to say like that they're a team that's like just getting shoved around out there, but like I've been, you know, Dom Lucision wrote that article before the playoffs, like whether or not having like a lot of size and bulk matters. And it turns out we're all wrong and it does. Um, and we've been wrong about that. And like not saying that like you need a, a big hulking team um you know that can out physical everybody but like size makes a difference yeah teams win more with size um and they win more with physicality in the postseason 
Uh, do we think that like Carolina's got that in spades too? I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. Um, so yeah, I mean, good point about the star talent. I think I would agree with that. I would add in that element that I just mentioned too. No, you're right. And uh, I think there's some answers, uh, the questions that need to be answered there, my friend. Yeah, because you're looking at, like, I look at it, and even like they're big-ish guys, right? Like they're, like, like Nino Niederreiter is like a tall guy, but he's not, I don't think he's really crash banging, like, you know, doing, like being the kind of sort of like space creator or deterrent that you want him to be. Like Jordan Stahl is pretty big, but he doesn't play like a huge sort of role like that. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. And like, like if they're going to go back to, and then you even look at goaltending too. Can you run back this duo of, of Ranta and Anderson? Like they're both signed for next year, combined $6.5 million cap. It like, that's, that's pretty good when you look at their, at their, at their numbers and, and all that, but like both got hurt. Ex- like both are guys with injury, you know, like Anderson, I believe tore his MCL and that's what was. Yeah. And they're, they're inching towards the wrong side of 30. Oh, they're, they're firmly on the wrong side of 30. Like now I think like it's. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean like but 35 is looming for both. So no, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's uh, you're not, you know, those are that like that kind of MCL injury at that age, not as easy to bounce back from. Yeah. But I mean, dude, anti Ranta was really good this year. He was, but you, but like, you can't, you can't be an NHL, like just based on again, this season and through his entire career to this point, like, I, I, you can't trust, you can't trust him as the guy going into the playoffs. Yeah. Like you have to have a, like a, it, like a quality third option. And, and, and especially if you're going to be rolling with Frederick Anderson, who like, again, got injured again. And like, and then even when he is healthy, like, cause everyone's like, Oh, Frederick Anderson can only come back and help them or, or you know, whatever. Like even when he is healthy in the playoffs, he's never been good. Is it crazy, Mike, that the Canes are like one of another, like, and the Penguins are another team where we have had the discussion this year of like they need a good third goalie. If we don't, every team needs a good third goalie. It's crazy though, right? Like, but like that's traditionally not a discussion we've had to have at the NHL level. Like we we, are now. It's times have changed, my friend. Times have changed. They really are. Like this is that is a difficult thing to fit underneath the salary gap. By the way, like three competent. I mean, you're not, you know, nobody's going to have three starters, right? And like, you hope that you can get as good of like a tandem as like a Minnesota had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then how'd that work out for them? Correct. That, that's true. Uh, but you, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, having right. three is downright impossible. You're, you're basically looking for lightning to strike on the third, right? And like hoping that, you know, somebody gets hot somewhere. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's yeah. quite the environment. They're also thinking of moving out Ethan Bear. Apparently, they're like Sarah Sivian kind of like sort of confirmed this on Twitter today that he seemed to be a little unhappy with how he was handled down the stretch. Mm-hmm. He was a healthy scratch throughout all the playoffs. Uh, 24 year old right shot defenseman with good underlying numbers, but just, you know, there, there's certain tweaks he needs to make in his game. Um, there's, like you said, there's going to be a lot of turnover. Like, yeah, I'm looking at their cat friendly page as well. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into talking about like the, the, the merits of signing like Tony D'Angelo and all that, but like, He's up and he was a big producer for them. Ethan Bear's up, like he's an RFA. Uh, uh, like Domi's probably not coming back. Niederreiter's probably not coming back. Derek Stepan didn't do much. Vincent Trocek, you should try and get back. Um, but it'll be tough. Like there's, I think that's a tough one. I know a lot of teams, if you look around hockey, Twitter, Mike, like teams that are already eliminated and are salivating over next year's 
free agent crop and try to plan out their rosters, they all have penciled Vince Trocheck in on their team. Yeah, they love like, Vince. Like it's gonna it's, be tough. It, and the demand will be there. The demand will be there. Um, there'll be somebody that'll throw stupid money at him. Um, I'm betting. I'm betting the Flyers. Could be. Could be. Um, I was just going to ask you something about the Canes, and now I have completely forgotten what it was off the back of that comment. I don't know. We'll come back to it. We'll it come back matter. to it. Let's let's. Oh, Tony might... D'Angelo. Oh yeah. Okay. Bold move by the Canes. <laughs> Let me finish for them to go with Tony D on the game seven game day graphic. Why did they do that to themselves? I, I perhaps some twisted sense of karma and justice, thinking that they were, you know, on the right side of something, and you know, trying to stir up the 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 good favor of the uh, karma world. I it just boggles my mind. Like, it, shout out to the graphic designer though. They're going to take heat, but they did a great job with the graphic. It no, the graphic great. itself you can't hate is for great. The, the choice of, of who they picked. I mean, it's... I just want to know whose idea it was to like. You have twenty, you know, you have twenty-two other players on your roster. I don't understand why it I had to it be was him. Just a rotation. Maybe it was a, you know, predetermined rotation, and that's where he fell. We'll but like, know. if anyone should have an, an intimate sense of like social media temperature, we can't and, prove that's why they lost. But we can't not prove. We can't. Yeah, we can't <laughs> not prove it, and that's what's the most important thing. Um, also, like just huge shame on ESPN for cutting away from the the handshake line before D'Angelo and Georgiev got to each other. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Like, keep in mind, this is the guy who got kicked off his own team last year for you know, like calling out his goaltender and then getting punched. Uh, and you know, it was just part of the team that eliminated him. Like, come on, you're not going to show me that. Read the room, ESPN. We could just do better with handshake lines, period. Right? I just think, like, just give me a cam on it. Like, pick a spot. You know what I mean? Fix a cam there and let me watch everybody go by that spot. I want to see all the interactions. It, it'd I don't be know. terrific. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, just, I'm anyway, just selfish. I don't know. Abs and Oilers. We'll go through a pretty Old quick. Old man yells at crowd. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you what I think is the dagger in the heart of the Oilers. Hit me. And you saw it in this first game. It is the way Colorado gets these talented forwards in motion mm-hmm. deep in their own zone and then hits them with tape-to-tape passes in stride that lets them skate 150 miles an hour into the heart of your defense. I don't give a shit if you have Ray goddamn Bork and Paul Coffey back there. Which they the are going don't. They don't. They Cody. God bless Cody Cece though. He is having the time of his He's life. Trying his best. Playing the best time of his life. Oh, we both had Cody Cece on our teams. Like it's. Yep. We've seen it. He's absolutely playing the best hockey of his life. And it's great to watch. Nobody has a bad thing to say about Cody Cece that's ever interacted in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I don't care if you do have those players. The Oilers don't. You're going to really struggle with that. And there's not a lot you could do about it. I think the only thing you could do, I think if you're the Oilers is take the good forwards that you have and sell out on pressuring that Colorado D into trying to make those passes earlier than they want to. Don't it's like blitzing the quarterback, right? Don't let the quarterback sit in the pocket and make the decision and have the time to throw the ball. That's my football equation for you, but that's, that's the only real because because you can't, you can't just take your – you can't sit at the blue line with that, Mike. You can't mm-hmm. move everybody back because now you're flat-footed. 
you can't stop them flat footed. That's you're going to get murdered. They're going to make you look stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, The best you could do is try to get the jump on them. You're going to have less players back to defend by selling out on your four check. But what alternative do you have? Like, if you don't sell out and attack their the, the and look these D are really good and they could probably skate around like Kale McCarr could just skate around you. <laughs> That's a, yeah. a very real possibility and a risk you're taking when you're doing this. But what's the alternative? Like I don't see what the alternative is. You know, every team in this league, Mike, probably seventy five percent of them run a variation of a one two two, right? Mm-hmm. What's the what's what does a one two two across all these different forms have in common? Space in the middle. Yeah. Right. That's where Colorado's going, man. They're going right into that middle. They're getting hit with passes, and they're cutting you. They're cutting you to shreds. And I don't know what Edmonton's going to do about that. And that's to me, like don't I? What I, I keep meaning to cut a YouTube montage of all the times they did it in Game One because it was really fun to watch. Uh, and I'll probably do it like event like a week from now, eventually when it's no longer relevant. But uh, <laughs> the point is, is like it's happening a lot. That's what I would watch. Where I don't know that Edmonton has the solution for that. Um, they have really good forwards their own. They're going to try to do like to Colorado, what Colorado is doing to them. Um, but I think the abs have the depth I think they have the depth and they have the better top to bottom team. Um, yeah. Way better top to bottom team. Like, yes, yeah. it is. So, I mean, so I, it's just gonna, that's, that's a challenge for them to try to find a way around that. And it's, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of different looking breakouts in the league, Mike, they, there's thousands of ways to break the puck out of this. I like the way Colorado does it the best. <laughs> I just think it's so much fun. Uh, and watching it is like watching, uh, it's no different than watching, you know, a bunch of receivers run routes. And it's, it's, I don't even feel like they're doing, sometimes I feel like they just let them go, you know, like Rantanen, like all these really good, but just go, just do whatever the hell you want to do. Like the D, our D is good enough that they'll figure it out. You know, they'll, <laughs> they'll find you, you know, like just go have fun. We're all sitting out in the street playing with plastic Milex sticks. Exactly. No, it's you're, you're right. And, and the thing is like, it would be difficult enough to, to combat that as the Oilers, if you had like sort of like a competent defense core, but yeah. you have, you know, like you have Cody CC, Tyson Berry, Duncan Keith guys who are known or not necessarily known, at least at this stage of their careers um, of being able of either being the flightest of foot and also being able to defend the rush like that. I mean, I think, I think, Maybe not, maybe not necessarily Barry, but CC and Keith at, at to this at this point in their careers, they're far more um, like stationary defensemen. Like they're better when like things are getting locked up in the in in their own zone and they're able to to cut down passing lanes and whatnot. You know, just through positioning. But like when it comes to when you have a a Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, uh, uh, Nazem Kadri, uh, uh, Valerie Nichushkin, Arturi Lekin, and Andre Barakovsky, any of those guys bearing down on you at full speed after getting after getting a perfectly paced place pass in the neutral zone and you, they've been able to just get all this all this momentum on their hands like it's going to be like a deer in headlights it's going to be yep. and that's exactly what we saw last night and goaltending is going to be the biggest thing for them i mean it obviously is in every series like you can you can just copy and paste that but like mike smith there we've already said there's no in between with Mike Smith. He's either a 750 goaltender who gets pulled in the second period or he's putting up a 980 he's and up knucklers from 65 feet out. Yeah, or yeah, or or he's a friggin' like demigod who can't let anything you who won't let anything go past him. Like there's no he's never like an 880 goaltender who has a rough night. It's either an implosion or sterling. And yeah. on the other hand, we have, De- uh, I was about to say Demko, we have Darcy Kemper, um, who is, I mean, 
it it's who's really tough like it like he's like darcy kemper is is having a really bad postseason and getting injured uh in game one is not helping it and francis was okay but he also looked a little a little shaky um when he came in like this is a big like goaltending is gonna is gonna as as it has in years past is gonna make or break this team and and when when the abs goaltender has gone down and goaltenders have gone down in the past they've had to turn to michael hutchinson so Mm -hmm. at least at least Pavel Francouz is a bit is a better. Yeah, frankly, the, the Avalanche love Pavel Francouz. They love oh, clearly. him. Clearly, they they very feel they feel very strongly about him. They trust him. Um, the status of Darcy Kemper is unclear. That yeah, we, we still don't know. know whether or not he's going to play. Um, another team that Mike may need a great third goalie. <laughs> to, to oh yeah. Here. Um, but I I here's the thing for me, right? Like. Frank, who is good enough for me to win this series for Colorado solely based off the fact that the abs could score eight goals every single damn game this series. They could score eight goals three more times. And I would be like, nah, I'm not surprised by that at all. So, you know, as long as Frank, who can keep it below, below eight, (laughs) you feel pretty good. (laughs) You feel pretty good about their chances of winning. What's the better series, Mike? It's Colorado Calgary, right? Oh, Colorado. Well, you know what? I don't know because no, because I love Nate McKinnon versus McDavid. Like I love the marquee matchups and would I love to see Calgary move on? Like, yeah, I think, you know, they had a great year. I think they're a fun team. This, that I'm, I'm a lot of, you know, uh, every day that an Oilers fan wakes up sad is a good day for me. Um, but it's also, but at the other end, like I love these super, like these clashes of superstars. That's what this stupid playoff format was meant to bring out. You know, yep. it was meant 100%. to bring out these rivalries, these marquee matchups, and we get one yep. finally. And I think it's, I think it's a great thing, but like, I, I just can't see the Oilers winning the series. I, mean, I can't either. It's from, for all the tactical things that you just said. Um, and just from my, from my standpoint that the abs, and this is also goaltending pending. Um, but I think the Az are just a better team. Like I just top to bottom, like McDavid is obviously on another level. And so is McDryside. They're crazy, but they, but no other team that the Oilers have played have been able to counter that top end talent that we've been talking about so well. Nathan McKinnon is one of the best players in the league as well. And so is Miko Rantan and Gabriel Landeskog is great. And so is Nazem Kadri. And I can go down the list and getting Arturi Lekin at the trade deadline is almost like, you know, it's just unfair. And you have a guy like like Samuel Girard go down, and then you have and then you have a you know a top five pick uh, in Bowen Byram just kind of step up and, and look perfectly fine in that yep. role, you know. And and it, you got Jack it, Johnson there to hold it all down. And Jack Johnson is, is even there; like he's crazy. Um, I just think that they're a better team, and yep. I, and and the Oilers they they made it this far. Craziest, crazy to think. I did not think it was possible. They obviously have a guy who the team loves, who plays a fun system that gets the best out of his team in Jay Woodcroft, you know, uh, which made me just, which really is just a damning indictment on how much um, uh, Dave Tippett held this team back prior to that. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I think the future is bright at Edmonton in that regard. If they don't take this and realize like, uh, like I can see Ken Holland getting nominated for GM of the year this year because of this. And when really he's lucked out by having the, by inheriting two superstars um, and then signing like one of the most embattled human beings in, in sports right now uh, who ended up, you know, you know, being on his best behavior for a little bit, despite like despite the odds, yeah. despite the odds. 
Um, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting. All right, let's let's do our, our final one. The game is happening as we speak right now, um, but it's Lightning and Rangers. Let's just do a quick little pre preview on that before we can go about our nights. And I have to write about the that I have to write about Anze Kopitar winning the uh, uh, the Mark Messier Leadership Award, which just which just got sent down. So good congratulations to Anze Kopitar. Um, that award means absolutely nothing. All right, um, goaltending battle going to be interesting Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky I think this is this is probably what the best goaltending battle we've seen in in the playoffs in like five years ten years um in terms of top end talent probably yeah I mean I'm yeah price Vasilevsky maybe yeah yeah I think like because that was a price at the t- at the at the height of his powers too yeah so other than that though you're right yeah I got nothing else um yeah. this Rangers team man here's the thing you could bet against them they're going to make you look stupid I don't know. Like, there's that one team, Mike, every year that loses um, all of the predictive stat categories and p- persists in winning. That is this year's New York Rangers team. They uh, have gotten caved in in a lot of these games, man. Just absolutely caved in, and they've still won. They've still produced wins. They really uh, are just slapping the Corsi gods in the face, aren't they? They are, and then like. I, a lot of people, oh, they're playing these backup goalies. And start. Doesn't matter, man. Still got to win the games. Like, mm-hmm. you know, every every good team that – not even good. Every team that wins a cup has a modicum of luck on their side in the process. Oh, without a doubt. There's no question. So that's all we're witnessing here. Um, how long does it last? I don't know. This is a really good team they're about to face. Really good team that can move the puck probably unlike any team that they've seen up to this point. Um. Yeah, I I I don't I don't see them beating the Lightning. I don't know how they do. I it. can't do it. I don't. I I I feel I feel like I'm an idiot for for betting against them yeah. any more than I already have. But but you're um, not an idiot. I I think you're you'd be less of an idiot or sorry more of an idiot to bet bet against the defending the back to back defending Stanley Cup champs. You know. Yeah. But you you kind of are waiting. I think for like. The impossible, like to say, like, oh, the, the three peat is not, it, you can't be done. The fatigue factor is too great. And they don't have the motor. They're going to run out of gas. Like, it's easy to buy that because nobody's been able to do it, right? Like, no one's been able mm-hmm. to do it. So I believe it when people say stuff like, eh, this is, you know, they don't have the get, they don't have the gas left in the tank. You know, I, I don't see it when I watch them play. No, they don't look like they're slowing down to me. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think we're in for, you know, potentially super entertaining final. Um, but I, I goaltending aside, as good as Shesterkin is, I just, I don't think that, uh, they can stave off the lightning for a full seven games. You also have to realize too, that like the goaltending argument, while you say it is like they had to win the games and they did like the golden, the goaltending narrative here, it, it. It, it matters. Like they played for most of round one, they played a third string goaltender who played most of the year in the AHL. And then, and then the starter came back for one game where he clearly was, was injured. He could barely walk off his out of his uh, post game yeah. presser. Um, and then in, in round two, you, you were playing a, you know, a backup goaltender uh, who eventually got injured to give way to the third stringer, but that backup goaltender, you know, is also injury prone himself and had no prior playoff starts up until this point. And it still took them seven games in both series to knock these teams off. Yeah. 
like, like, I don't care if the team has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and, you know, Latang and Gensel and all those guys, like if Louis Dominguez in net, like it probably shouldn't, if, if Louis Dominguez in net and you have home ice advantage, it probably shouldn't take you seven games, yeah. you know? And like, no, no offense to Louis Dominguez. He's got a great Twitter account. He's, he's, he's awesome. But like, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, and Tampa, they just have the depth. And the thing is like, yes, you know, the fatigue factor is going to set in, but like, they do have a good amount of like, you know, pretty impactful players who weren't, who, who haven't been here, who, who are new, who don't yep. have that fatigue factor. It's not like the entire team has played, you know, like the most amount of hockey in over the past two years, they have Hagel and Paul and, um, uh, 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 what's his name? And Corey Perry, guys like that, like who have all, who are all new to this team, who are all important and who are not dealing with that. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really, it's going to be a, a really tight series. I think like, I, I think it'll be, it'll be tighter than a lot of people predict, but I just can't see, I just can't see it going, going the Rangers way. Yep. Kid lines worth watching. I mean, it's uh, putting on quite yep. a show. A lot of those players are, uh, you know, ending some long-term stupid conversations that have been going on in New York about uh, their validity and viability long-term as players. Mm-hmm. Um, Lafreniere coming to the top of my mind. Uh, I want to have that conversation. Um, but I, I, yeah, to your point, I just don't think it's enough. But again, uh, really accelerating, you know, the process that the Rangers are in, I think, this year. Um, the question is, is, do they get an inflated sense of confidence from this and make a bunch of dumb decisions yes. to set them back? Um, that's the question I think is, is like what happens next. Hell for all we know, they could win the Stanley cup in a couple of weeks and we look like complete idiots. Um, but I think that's, that's the reaction is if they don't make it out of this series and it works out the way we think it's going to work out um, how they respond, I think is, is equally as important as some of the teams that are losing uh, earlier than this. Um, I'm very nervous about what, Chris Jury will do. Yeah. In retaliation. All right. Jesse, we both, uh, uh, you have a baby. I have articles to write. You know, this has been a phenomenal podcast. We love it. Every week we get to do this. Um, before we head out, anything you want to leave the listeners with? I uh, got a little, uh, a little something, something coming out this week on The Athletic about uh, Cro- uh, Crosby, my God, Malkin and Latang. Um, still unsigned. There's been some question as to what they're looking for. I'm going to talk about what they deserve based on performance. terrific well i can't wait to read that jesse's work is at the athletic it's always great i'm at the hockey news you know go to the hockey for for this website and for great hockey content as well and jesse uh i will see you next week see you next time